It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 824, the 24th of March, 2023. This week, chat, GPT, and other artificial intelligence applications are responsible for a lot of questions about the future. Will AI help us humans? Will it create insurmountable problems? Or will it be no big deal? In short circuits, music lovers who have trouble finding a local station they like will be happy with StreamWriter. It's a free application that not only plays music from thousands of radio stations, but also makes it easy to record streams for later listening. It's easier than ever to run Android apps on a Windows 11 computer, so let's take a look at how it's done. And 20 years ago, only on the website, before Microsoft captured desktop computers with Word, a small company in Utah built WordPerfect into a world-class application. By 2003, though, the battle was essentially over. Depending on who's talking about it, artificial intelligence is the savior of humankind, the destroyer of all society, or no big deal. We see artificial intelligence in systems used by banks to determine who will be given a loan, in photo processing software where the application automatically makes corrections to improve images, and in automated chatbots designed to help customers, at least sometimes. AI systems used in banking often codify biases that are tied to attitudes and beliefs not necessarily based in fact. Those used in photo applications have advanced so far that usually they do improve photographs. And those in chatbots sometimes generate rage from mistreated customers. Here's an example from UserLike that features a question to a performance venue's chatbot. The chatbot texts, how may I help you today? The potential customer says, hi, are you able to take refillable water bottles into the venue? Chatbot, we don't have any events at the moment. Can I help you with anything else? The human texts, can you take water bottles in? Here's the chatbot again. Sorry, we don't accept takeaway requests. Can I help you with anything else? The human once more, can I bring my reusable water bottle? To which the chatbot replied, We don't allow dogs on the premises. What else can I help you with? And the customer's last word, This is useless. Chatbots can be useful, though. When Amazon customers need to return something, a chatbot starts the conversation and often can complete the process successfully. The programming is sufficiently intelligent to recognize when it can't solve the problem and immediately switches the chat to a real person. In most cases, the real person is able to resolve the problem, but I have encountered two instances in the past six months when the human did little more than transmit prepared comments and then fail utterly to solve the problem. That is the exception, though. Lately, ChatGPT has gotten a lot of attention. It is able to answer questions, compose emails and reports, and even write computer code. OpenAI released ChatGPT in November 2022, and anyone can use the free version. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. For a monthly $20 fee, 
users get better performance. It is necessary to create an account to use ChatGPT, and the system may frequently report it's beyond capacity when the servers are under heavy load. Usually, waiting a few minutes and submitting the request again is sufficient. I tried asking a relatively simple question. Why can nothing exceed the speed of light? ChatGPT responded this way. According to the theory of special relativity, the speed of light is considered to be an absolute cosmic speed limit. This is because as an object approaches the speed of light, its mass increases infinitely and it requires an infinite amount of energy to reach that speed. This means it is impossible for an object with mass to reach or exceed the speed of light. I also asked ChatGPT to describe the underlying causes of World War I, and the response did cover most of the primary causes. It would be easy to think of the AI technology as a kind of search engine. That would be inaccurate because it's essentially a language model that's intended to have a conversation with the user. ChatGPT has no ability to search the Internet for information, and it has limited knowledge of any events after 2021. If you ask, for example, how many days is it until summer arrives, you might not be satisfied with the answer. This is the answer I got. The exact number of days until summer depends on your location and the definition of summer you're using. Summer solstice, the longest day of the year, occurs around June 20th or 21st in the Northern Hemisphere and December 20th or 21st in the Southern Hemisphere. So you can count the days until then if you're using the astronomical definition of summer. However, the exact date and length of summer can vary depending on cultural, meteorological, or regional definitions. Hoo boy. But you can ask a follow-up question, which I did on the 4th of February. How many days is it until June 21st, 2023? The response, as of February 4th, 2023, there are approximately 156 days until June 21st, 2023. Thank you very much. Artificial intelligence can be used for mundane tasks that require no insights or creativity. One of the rules of writing a computer program is that there will always be errors when humans do it, no matter how simple the application is. I asked ChatGPT to create a random number generator using the Python language. This is a trivial two-line bit of code that the app handled with ease. The output explained how to use the code and even documented Python's random.randint method. Then I tried something a little more complex. Using PHP, create a web form to collect a name and email address and insert them into a MySQL database. The result was workable code, but far from complete. ChatGPT cautioned me, this is just a basic example. It said you should add error handling, validation, and security measures to your code before using it in a real-world scenario. So we have progressed from coding in ones and zeros to machine language and then to high-level languages. The next logical step is for computer programs to create other computer programs. Human developers will still be needed for innovation, but routine work will probably be turned over to applications, applications that can read plain English requests and return code that needs little or no additional work. There is concern that students may use ChatGPT to write reports for classes they're enrolled in instead of doing the work themselves. 
OpenAI has developed an applet intended to be used by teachers to detect text that appears to have been written by an artificial intelligence system. Unfortunately, it's currently not accurate or reliable. Instead, there is GPT-0, which is being developed by Princeton undergraduate student Edward Tian. He's studying both computer science and journalism. GPT-0 currently can be used for free. I gave GPT-0 five chunks of text from this article and five chunks of text written by ChatGPT. The five segments of text I wrote were all reported as your text is likely to be written entirely by a human. And four of the five bits of text written by ChatGPT were reported as your text is likely to be written entirely by AI. The fifth returned a result that said your text is most likely human-written, but there are some sentences with low perplexities. So the test is based on what TN calls perplexity. That's a measure of how random or how familiar text is to a language model. Something that has a low perplexity score is likely to have been written entirely by an AI system. The lowest score my text received was 77, and none of the chat GPT results exceeded 40. CNET tried using an AI application to write news stories in January. The experiment wasn't exactly a success. More than half of the stories written by the AI application contained errors that had to be corrected later. That doesn't mean AI is unsuited to the job. Instead, it means that more work is required and that reports assigned to the bot need to be chosen with care, just as no news director would send a rookie to cover a presidential news conference. Other concerns are that chatbots will replace humans. Chatbots are fast. When I asked for a written summary of the underlying causes of the First World War, ChatGPT wrote it in less than a minute, and that included the time I used in asking follow-up questions. So both ChatGPT and GPT-0 are just tools, and tools can be used for good or for bad. The same hammer that can be used to build a house can be used to kill someone. The trouble is less with the tools we develop than with the humans who use them. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, think back to the far distant past maybe the mid or late 1960s. Getting a copy of a new record you liked was difficult. Maybe you remember calling the local radio station, requesting the record, preparing your recorder, and waiting maybe several hours until the song you wanted to hear came up. Naturally, the cat yowled at a space alien, or the dog barked while the record was on, and that ruined your recording. 
It's a lot easier now with streaming services and download options. Some terrestrial radio stations, and particularly internet radio stations, specialize. You can find stations that play nothing but organ music, acid jazz, polka, or tango. That's, of course, in addition to offerings that appeal to larger audiences, jazz, classical, rock, electronic, folk, and dozens of others. If you listen to over-the-air radio, you might not be able to find what you want. Ohio has, for example, just one full-time jazz station. It's in Columbus. Someone in Zanesville, Toledo, or Dayton won't be able to hear it. Listening may be difficult even in central Ohio because it's a low-power FM station. Low-power FM licenses are available to non-commercial educational entities and public safety and transportation organizations, not to individuals or for commercial operations. The station's power is just 100 watts. That's the maximum power allowed for low-power FM. One of the commercial stations in Columbus operates with an effective radiated power of 175,000 watts. Big difference there. Many radio stations have an option on their website to listen live, but first you have to find the station, locate its website, and create a bookmark. There's an easier way. The free StreamWriter app has links for thousands of radio stations, both on the air and internet only, and has a recording function for those who may want to listen later. The default is to record any station's streaming audio when you're listening to it. I turned that feature off because I don't really want the recordings. StreamWriter can capture individual selections, name them, and save them automatically. But I have plenty of audio recordings, and they're almost always at higher quality than what you'll find on streaming services. If you live far from your hometown but you'd like to listen to its radio station, StreamWriter might make it possible. Not all stations are available. iHeart stations appear to be generally unavailable, and not all stations do have streaming services. My favorite music types are classical and jazz. Plenty of those are in the StreamWriter listings. WQXR became one of my favorite stations when I was in New York City, and I enjoy being able to listen to it on the computer. Oh, and by the way, have I mentioned I went to Columbia University? It's true. I got on the number one train and rode uptown to 116th Street, and there it was, Columbia University. Well, I did say I went to Columbia, not that I attended Columbia. Sorry. Moving on. The installation process for StreamWriter is easy, so I won't even get into that. When you open the application, check Settings under the File menu. You can set StreamWriter to start with Windows, which I did not do, but I did specify that the app should move to the notification area on Close so that I don't accidentally terminate it. On the Recordings tab, I turned off the option to save stream files. There are 13 tabs in Settings to explore, and another 5 in Settings for Automatic Recordings. Most of the tabs can be ignored if you just want to play music. By default, the action for double-clicking is to record a stream. If you prefer to just play the stream when you double-click it, change that action on the first Settings tab. If you know the name or the call letters of the station you want to listen to, you can type it into the search field. Or if you're looking for a particular type of music, leave search blank and choose a genre from the drop-down list. 
You can narrow the search by specifying a minimum bitrate in the kilobytes per second field. Higher numbers, of course, indicate better quality. It's better to leave the type field set to no type unless you want to limit the results to MP3 or AAC streams. Those are the two choices. When you find a station you want to try, double-click it in the list and it'll appear in the left panel. It'll also be reported as connected. When a new selection is about to start, you'll see an alert near the notification area in the lower right corner of your computer's screen. When an audio stream is playing, the user can use a 10-band equalizer to adjust the sound. There's also a built-in volume control. If your keyboard doesn't have built-in audio functions, you can use the hotkeys tab to define actions to play, pause, or stop a stream, to move between streams, and to control the volume. This is one place where the application's German origin slips through, even if you've changed the interface to English, Dutch, Finnish, Russian, Spanish, French, or Polish. Those are the languages it supports. But occasionally you'll see something in German. You may find some surprising stations. For example, Melody's Web Radio plays jazz, ambient, and relaxation music 24 hours a day. Nothing particularly odd there, but the station is located in Athens. Not Athens, Ohio. Not Athens, Georgia. Not the Athens in California, Illinois, Indiana, Oregon, Pennsylvania, or Wisconsin either. Or the two dozen or so other towns around the U.S. called Athens. Melody's web radio plays music from the one in Greece. And the spoken bits can be in any number of languages. Give it a try. You can download the application. It's free on the StreamWriter website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Running Android apps on a Windows computer isn't new, but previously it wasn't particularly easy. Starting with the October 2021 version of Windows, it is an option available for all computers that meet a few basic requirements. To check your computer, open Settings, System, About, and confirm that the OS build is at least 22.000.282, that the computer has at least 8 gigabytes of RAM, more is better, and that virtualization is enabled. Check virtualization by opening the Task Manager, to get there, use the Windows key and X, then choose Task Manager from the list. Open the Performance tab, then click the CPU component and examine visualization. If it's activated, you can continue. You'll need the Amazon App Store, which can be installed from the Windows Store. So open the Windows Store and search for Amazon App Store. Or you'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website that will take you directly to a place where you can install the Amazon App Store. Does this seem a little strange to you? You have to go to one store to find a link to another store so you can install it? Well, okay. When the installation is complete, check the Open Amazon App Store button. If you're already an Amazon customer, sign in with your existing credentials. Otherwise, create an account. And when you're signed in, you can find and install apps. Many of the apps are free, but they offer in-app purchases, which means that the developer will want to sell you upgrades from the free version. 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website is also free, and it can be viewed on any device. 
This week, we take a look back at the beginning of the end for WordPerfect in 2003. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>